Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This edition of The Kellen and Alex Show was recorded in June of 2020. In this podcast, we get into Archbishop Vigano's letter to Trump that Trump retweeted on his Twitter account. It alleges that there is a deep church along with a deep state, and Trump is fighting the good battle. We get into, is there really a deep church? And we also get into the shutdowns of masses and uh, the protests. We get into that and much more in this edition of The Kellen and Alex Show. So his letter, his letter was, after reading, it was very, very interesting. Uh, and I think that he puts, I mean, the thing that I took out, the most important part was literally how he's talking about truth and that the American people are seeing through the lies of the media like they did in 2016. That's why Trump got elected, is because the American people finally saw through to the very end that, you know, Hillary Clinton and her corrupt society were just... The deep state, the deep state, as he says. So, guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, everybody, welcome to the program. Uh, Please, we are watching Twitch chat, so if you have things to say. uh, Kate Rillin says, I like Kellen's hat. I do as well. Make America great again. Um, So we are watching Twitch chat. If you're not aware, Archbishop Vigano, um, he is in hiding. He was the apostolic nuncio to the United States from uh, all throughout the Obama administration. And... um, while he was there, he uh, sent a letter to Pope Benedict basically explaining that uh, Cardinal McCarrick, who's now been defrocked, um, basically saying Cardinal McCarrick, there's been allegations against Cardinal McCarrick that uh, he has had homosexual relations with seminarians and has had some very shady things about him. Vigano sends this letter to Benedict. Pope Benedict looks into it. The Vatican looks into it. They have an investigation and they find out that Cardinal McCarrick uh, had been doing those things. And so Pope Benedict um, put him under a type of censure. It wasn't public. It was private. Uh, Vigano, you know, tried to make sure that McCarrick would follow the the rules. Like the rules were not, uh, he wasn't allowed to take speaking gigs. He wasn't allowed to go to seminaries, but he ignored all those things. And then Pope Benedict resigned. Pope Francis comes in. Vigano tells Francis the same thing. And as Vigano's testimony reveals, Pope Francis basically told Vigano, don't go looking for trouble, basically. And Pope Francis kind of vetted him out and said, look, McCarrick's a very powerful guy. Don't go mess with him, basically. And Pope Francis supported McCarrick. Vigano revealed all this stuff, went into hiding, and he's currently in hiding, and um, called on Pope Francis to resign. Well, he has been very vocal from his you know, underground bunker in Switzerland. Uh, he's written a lot of letters. Um, and recently... Our dear president wrote, uh, excuse me, retweeted his letter that Archbishop Vigano sent to uh, President Trump. And let's see if I can bring it on this side of the screen for you guys. Make us a little bit smaller. And here we go. Archbishop Vigano. So we have Trump here uh, retweeted the article, said, so honored by Archbishop Vigano's incredible letter to me. I hope everyone religious or not reads it. He sent this yesterday, June 10th. And, uh, here we have uh, Archbishop Vigano's letter, and it was a a whirlwind of a letter. <laughs> I mean, there was That's so sure. much said in it. Uh, so, Kelly, you've read it. What was lot. your initial reaction to to the letter? That I was Vigano just, wrote? I was so proud. I was like, finally, Archbishop, somebody stands up and says, "What is going on right now in America?" You know, he's talking about the children of light and the children of darkness. Well. I think America, honestly, especially has faced 
one of the most it's in one of the most difficult of times right now especially with you know this virus and then just all the rioting and looting um and tr- trump is one of the presidents that has faced the most just scrutiny and just backlash and hatred and i can't really understand why um sorry thank you mom um but um i can't really understand why and I think the, I think one of the reasons though is that people are really uneducated on what goes on in government and and like the social structures and and things like that and what happens in our society. So basically, it was just talking about, you know, how we need to convey truth in our society. We need to have truth. What is truth? I mean, come on, America's lost its truth. Yeah, he puts a lot like. You know, you know, very, you know, in some ways, very broad, you know, he takes like a very global position uh, to it. So if I could kind of summarize what he says here, uh, starting off. So he sent this in June 7th, Holy Trinity Sunday. Mr. President, in recent months, we've been witnessing the formation of two opposing sides that I would call biblical, the children of light and the children of darkness. So, I mean, he takes this very broad children of light, children of darkness, which, of course, like, you know, that's traditional Catholic theology as well, right? You have the city of God and the city of man. And if you're not trying to build the city of God, you're building the city of man. If you're building, you're not building the church, then you're building the tower of Babel, right? So, so Vigano says in these recent months, we've especially seen this, the children of light and the children of darkness, the children of light constitute the most conspicuous part of humanity while the children of darkness represent an absolute minority. So what do you think about that part of it? The fact that he he identifies children of light and children of darkness and then say the children of light are like, you know, the normal everyday people while, you know, the children of darkness are this absolute minority. Do you think that's because he's not talking, let's say, you know, man being sinful and all of sin. He's kind of he's speaking in a way like. Most people are trying to do the right thing or trying to be. Yeah. good, Right. That's so what that's, he's pointing to here. That's what I got out of that was is that when he's talking about the children of light and children of darkness, like the average common person, the children of light, I mean, the average person really tries to do good in society, right? And they try to build themselves up and make make themselves, you know, a better person and make the other people around them better people as well. I think that that's what he's really talking about is that, you know, these children of light are those that are the regular folk and, um, you know, try to build build the city of God. But, um, when he talks about the, you know, children of darkness, um, one thing that really interests me is that he just, he he points, like he says, it's a minority. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it was interesting to me just thinking about that when he, what he meant by a minority. Um, and so I think what he means is that there are a lot of people, no, so there's not that Take it like serial killers, right? I mean, there's not that many. Like Hillary Clinton, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Hillary Clinton. There's <laughs> not that many. There's not that many zodiacs, right? I mean, that type of level of killer. And so I kind of think of that as someone, uh, you know, a child of darkness that's really trying to pursue evil and do evil in the world. Yeah, and, uh, and he he I continues that think- says like the former, meaning the um, 
the children of light, are the object of a sort of discrimination which places them in a situation of moral inferiority with respect to their adversaries, who often hold strategic positions in government, politics, the economy, and in the media. In an apparently inexplicable way, the good are held hostage by the wicked and by those who help them either out of self-interest or fearfulness. So the good are held hostage by the wicked. Yeah, um, that was interesting to me. By those And by those who help them either out of self-interest or fearfulness. I mean, you know, how do you get the children of light to believe in this? You believe in, let's say, the conspiracies of the dark, right? Because it, in manipula- manipulation, right, you have to convince, you know, the children of the light, the people who are just trying to do good things, you have to convince them they're still doing a good thing yeah. by, you know, and then you could, you know, produce fear in them. And um, yeah, if you guys have noticed, the the title of our podcast is Ordo Ab Keo, which is um, the Freemason uh, saying that out of chaos uh, comes order. Yeah. Right. So it's, this is the idea that you produce this chaos so people get uneasy and they get unrest. And then that chaos will bring you can bring order out of that if you mm-hmm. just... If people get fearful, if they're scared of all the time, if they're afraid of losing their money and their livelihood and their lives, whatever, they'll just give you power and then you can make order out of it. Um, so that's, that's what Vegan is, you know, associating as the children of darkness are the ones who are, you know, the ones who are in these high positions um, and, and able to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when it's a that statement has always fascinated me out of order or out of, you know, chaos comes order. Um, it kind of, cause it almost seems like, you know, it's like contradictory, right? But um, yeah, it seems like it, right? I think that, I mean, I think that something, uh, you, still, you still there, Alex? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, you're there. All right. Sorry. It's kind of going in and out. I think your connection. Oh, my connection? You think my connection's there going in and out? All right. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> no, we're good. Oh, it's no, it's mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you're but, coming uh, in fine, so. Okay. But, you know, I was thinking, like we were talking about on last podcast, it's so easy to see how corrupt the media is. You know how, because we look at the coronavirus and how that was just, you know, people saying that it was really overblown. And then when this, all this rioting starts and looting, it dramatically switches over to that. Yep. And it's almost like COVID is completely non-existent. And I was just thinking that there's so much chaos going on in the U S right now that we need somebody to bring it to order. And I think that guy is Trump. I think that's what he does. I mean, he said, you see people, the thing that interests me is that people say, Oh, if you bring in the military, you're going to just, you know, kill thousands of people and they're going to be brutal. And that's not what, that's just not how it works. You know what I mean? If you, if you bring in the military, you're going to bring in order because that's like the highest level of highest level of order that we have. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm so, all, of course I'm, I'm wary as well of, you know, bringing in the military for other stuff. Um, yeah. Cause you know, I'm, I'm not super trusting in the military in a lot of ways, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing right now, like so much chaos. Right. And, and I want to get to mm-hmm. more of what Vigano says with it. Like, um, yeah, he says, in society, Mr. President, these two opposing realities coexist as eternal enemies, just as God and Satan are eternal enemies. And it appears that the children of darkness, whom we may easily identify with the deep state, which you wisely oppose and is fiercely waging war against you in these days, 
have decided to show their cards, so to speak, by now revealing their plans. So he identifies it with a term that he calls the deep state. So that's been mm-hmm. used a lot of times. Um, what, do, what do you think he's meaning by this, the deep state? I didn't really know what to make of that. I was trying to think about that. Um, was he kind of talking about like, a, I don't really know. I, I couldn't figure that out what he meant by deep state. I mean, does he kind of mean just this like corrupted psychology of, you know, how to live our lives? Is that what he meant? Like an overall society that's been corrupted? Is that kind of what he was talking about? So what I, okay. So if you guys are just joining us, we're talking about Archbishop Vigano's letter. Uh, I just sent it to Catherine. She'll put it in the chat in just a second. So you guys can uh, read it as well. Um, But he, Archbishop Vigano wrote this letter to President Trump um, in which he outlines the children of light versus the children of darkness, identifies Trump as being on the side of the children of light. But yeah, he he points to the children of darkness being easily identified as the deep state. Um, and I, I suppose what he means by the deep state are... Um, the ones that those, want to corrupt society, right? Yes, those who want to corrupt society for their own personal interest, personal gain. Um, and they have, you know, their personal control of bigger and bigger global uh, control. And these things have been, you know, uh, given the term New World Order... Um, it's in essence what it is, you know, people are like, oh, well, that term's so generic. It can mean anything. And it's a fair, um, that's a fair criticism. However, it's the, the notion that, um, global control is being isolated in the hands of fewer and fewer individuals, corporations, and that because we live in an age where, um, if you look at the West, Right, our our governments are are run by politicians who are individuals who are trying to look after their individual interest, and if you have that, um, they can be individually super influenced by big money and more control and more power, and so those who control the the money and the power, the global elites, tech companies, huge businesses, um, I mean, like we know for sure, like the Saudi royal family, we now know was completely funding. Al Qaeda throughout their entire journey, right? So, the royal family in the Saudi Arabia has they're they're valued, I think, like three trillion dollars or something like that. But they were privately funding terrorist organizations, um, you know, Russian uh, corporations and big uh, companies. Obviously, are funding all these other, you know, covert stuff. Like we were, you know, we were talking Jeffrey Epstein before this. He had billions in assets, and you had all these, you know, global elites coming to his you know, private sex island, the whole thing. And um, so anyways, this, the, the idea of the children of darkness, that this power and authority and this global governance is becoming more and more removed from any type of democratic systems, any type of like morality, and it's just becoming complete self-aggrandizement and self-interest. And then that's the West problem with politicians is they, they seek their individual interest. The specifically, you know, Chinese part of this is the um, they have uh, their dominance over their own people and their political party, the the Communist Party. And what the, the Chinese communists are doing is influencing like big money and big corporations, World Health Organization, Google, Apple, um, Facebook, because they have cheap labor, they have tons of people, they have tons of money, the Chinese Communist Party. And they're trying to turn all this, and they probably already have, have turned those corporations to be anti-American and pro-global governance pro-Chinese global dominance. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's, no, it's, it's not yeah. as though it's like it's a completely hidden idea. Um, there's so yeah. many instances where you can point to it and say, well, here's here's an instance of like deep state um, ideology. And here's another instance. And there's an instance and like global right. dominance mean, at a scale we've never seen. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, corruption is a very, very powerful problem. Um, and so what it does is that really it really, I think, starts with the individual. I mean, the person that makes that conscious decision to do bad things and, you know, become corrupt. And we look at all the, everything that we have now these days with, you know, especially globalism um, and just all the big companies that are pushing towards a, you know, a globalist society, elite leaders, um, and just all this stuff that's happening. Yep. It takes away from the sense of nationalism. You know what I mean? Like yeah, what, national what, what duty did, did, in like America, yeah. you know. What did Trump say, right? We reject the notion of globalism and put forth the notion of patriotism. Yep. We reject the ideology of globalism and embrace the heart of patriotism. And that's yeah. the biggest we talked about that before on the on the podcast. That's just the the biggest slap in the face to to global um these global dealings. And okay, so my my philosopher's background, my philosopher's mind, and 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 I I can tell like if I if I had to present, you know, what Vigano is saying here, the children of darkness and biblical proportions and deep state ideology, and for somebody who's, you know, really concerned with terminology and like where's the evidence and whatever else, it does seem like, oh, well, you're just making these overblown statements. You're so pro-Trump. You're just trying to get them like. So, <laughs> however, this you know that it gets summarized in the term of deep state. And it gets summarized in these terms of like children of darkness. I think once you look at like the broad scope of what's going on, right? So, so remember a year ago, you, meaning you have to look, you can't just say deep state and then it looks like that. It's that organization. It's that, you know, it's the, it's the Chinese communist. It's the Facebook, it's Google, like their dealings. It's this, it's that, it's Hillary Clinton. No, it's, it's a conglomerate of all these things that we summarize in the term of deep state which as Vigano identifies, um, there are those who serve themselves, who do not hold any moral principles, who want to demolish the family and the nation, exploit workers to make themselves unduly wealthy, foment mm -hmm. internal divisions and wars, accumulate money and power. For them, the yeah. fallacious illusion of temporal well-being will, be will one day, if they do not repent, yield to the terrible fate that awaits them far from God in eternal damnation. <laughs> well, there you go, right? There it like, is for you. <laughs> so when you say the term deep state, I think a lot of people will be like, okay, deep state, cons conspiratorial stuff. But this is classifying a large, let, you could call it an ideology, a belief system, whatever you want to call it, of people who are influential and, and powerful, who don't have morals, who don't believe in God, who want to make themselves unduly wealthy, who want to demolish the family who don't want the family to really have it. They want to demolish the family and nation. And we've talked about this before, right? Yeah. Globalism doesn't want a family unit who's super secure. Yeah. They don't want That's people, a very important point. They don't yeah. want people no, it's, who are religious. Yeah. You know? yeah, no, it's such a, that's such a big, big part of it is they want to destroy the family. And America, you know, is a nation where I think slowly the family is starting to be, um, is starting to go away. And I think that the divorce rate in the United States, I believe, is over 50%, something like that. It's been that for a long time. The 
global elites and the concept of corruption digs deep when it comes to destroying the family. I mean, just there's so many factors and so many forces at play that can really just take away the concept of family in the United States. The United States is built on families, man. That's like what you think when you go hard, hard working families where the father goes to work and, you know, mother goes to work too. And um, they come home and they, you know, meet together wherever and just, they do the, they do raise it again the, the next day, and, you know, raise the kids and, you know, do have it again a family. The next day. And that's like the most important and thing in people's lives, you know, it and is, it's, you it's, know, so I had a class with Dr. Hahn on the sacraments and uh, I highly recommend his book, the first society, um, where he basically discusses like the thesis, the family really makes society. The family is society. Yes, it does. It makes up society. You know, it's, it's not, we're not just a collection of individuals. And I think as, as Americans, we often think, okay, we're just individuals. We're just pursuing individual interests, but we're really, no one's born as an individual. You're born as a son mm -hmm. of, or, or a daughter. You're yep. born, you know, brother or sister. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you have parents, everyone does. And even if they're not involved in your life, um, or, or their bad parents or their great parents, whatever else, we're born as a family. Everyone is. And family is so important to, it's, it's the first society, right? The very first society that ever existed was Adam and Eve and, uh, and their children. And that's like, you have to address humanity as families and not just, um, not just isolated individuals pursuing self-interest, um, and if you look at these global elites that Vigano points to here who don't hold moral principles, you know, why do they want to demolish the family and demolish na nations, right? Nations have restrictions to benefit their, you know, they, they guard their families, they guard their people within them. Um, they have rules, they, they have common language, they have, it's, it's a nation that's united. When you start to break down those characteristics, you can more easily control multiple nations. Right. Um, because you, you make it more universal. You make everyone if you make them all isolated individuals, then you can control their emotions. You can control you make them fearful. They don't have support within their own family to deal with things. You know, there's uh, they want to demolish the family, demolish the family unit because it's a it's a unit of stability that makes people uncontrollable in some ways. They're, they're almost outside of this extra control they have. You know, they don't need to depend on the state for everything. They don't need to depend on their corporations for everything. They have their family, people who are supporting them. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. It's it's basically, you know, what makes up society. And if you look, I mean, it's important also to look at the positive, but to acknowledge the negative, but also look at the positive, because there's still a lot of good families in this nation that stick together. Absolutely. And but the but we need to start combating more the problem of like this globalist idea and where we can universalize everything and take out the specifics like in the family and which is the family. Um, and so that's one thing that I also, you know, with Trump, he said, he's just, he hates globalism. He hates it with a passion because he's the leader of the free world president of the United States of America. And so he has a duty as an American to be patriotic and nationalistic towards his country. Yep, That's what he did. Hillary Clinton didn't do any of that. She's aided enemy countries of ours. And so her and Obama 
you know, the two biggest knuckleheads in Mr. and Mrs. Deep State history. Mr. and Mrs. Deep State, the two biggest idiots in American history, political leaders. Joe Biden isn't much better. Sleepy Joe. Who's going to get destroyed, by the way? <laughs> yep. So I'm not, I'm just, I'm just tired of, of all these people blaming Trump when they have no basis for their arguments. And so it's like, so as Vigano yeah, says, but, like, you know, people are like, oh, well, you're just, you know, I, one of the things was, uh, oh, Vigano is just way too supportive of Trump. And, you know, that, that looks bad, you know, for the church or whatever. And Vigano also, I'd like to come back to this. He, he talks about um, just as there is a deep state, there's also a deep church. And this is a notion I haven't heard before. I want to get to that in a minute. But he says, for the first time, the United States has in you a president who courageously defends the right to life who's not ashamed to denounce the persecutions of Christians throughout the world, who speaks of Jesus Christ and the rights of citizens to freedom of worship. Your participation in the March for Life, and more recently, your your proclamation of the month of April as National Child Abuse Prevention Month, are actions that confirm which side you wish to fight on. And I dare to believe that both of us are on the same side in this battle, albeit with different weapons. And he also talks about, he went, uh, Trump went to the National Shrine of St. John Paul II, and, um, you know, completely, you know, denounces the deep state and all this other stuff. And once again, guys, if you're just joining us um, or if you've been with us the whole time, we're, we're watching Twitch chat, by the way, but we're talking about um, Archbishop Vigano's um, letter. And uh, we have Donald Trump, our dear president, has retweeted it and sent it out, has 135,000 likes. So probably around a million people saw this. You wonder how many got to uh, to view it. I looked on the thing and it said almost a million people put it on Facebook. So um, quite a staggering. We're reading from part of that letter and um, it's it says, it's quite big in, in its proportions of what it deals with. And um, it's amazing it here. I'm in that last line. And I dare to believe that both of us are on the same side in this battle. Yep. Albeit with different weapons. I mean, look, we're trying to come we're trying to combat this notion of, you know, corruption and the children of darkness. Right. We're trying to build the city of God, not build the city of man. And we do that by being the children of light, the common folk, right? Us building up ourselves and others to Christ. And so it's important for us to, I think, look at the positive. I mean, right. Acknowledge the negative, but look at the positive um, and notice that we are going through really hard times right now, but Archbishop Vigano wouldn't have written this letter if all this crap wasn't going on. Yep. I don't think, but um, no, it's important for us to recognize. I heard something there. You heard a pop. <laughs> uh, Cheers. Recognize everyone. positive. <laughs> this is positive. This is very positive. Um, acknowledge the negative, okay, but let's recognize talk, the positive. Let's talk the deep church stuff. Okay, guys. Deep church. Does <clears throat> the deep church exist? Please drop it in, in Twitch chat. Apparently, Vigano thinks <clears throat> there's not, not only is there a deep state, there's a deep church within the Catholic church. Um, so let's go to part of this. He says, it is disconcerting that there are bishops, such as those whom I recently denounced, who by their words prove that they're aligned on the opposing side. They are subservient to the deep state, to globalism, to aligned thought, to the new world order, which they invoke ever more frequently in the name of universal brotherhood, which has nothing Christian about it, 
but which evokes the Masonic ideas of those who want to dominate the world by driving God out of the courts, out of schools, out of families, and perhaps even out of churches. It's true. I mean, look, I can understand. I mean, in the Catholic church, like we're not perfect. You know what I mean? So we have, I mean, our goal, you know, Jesus Christ is perfect, but within the church, we've had scandals unfortunately, mm-hmm. that have led to this deep church, I guess. Um, and so he's saying that even yeah. further than just the scandals, he's saying that like there are bishops who basically bishops do nothing that, yeah. but, but, do, but yeah. basically just parrot what um, the deep state mm-hmm. says in a <clears throat> sense, right? Yeah. Well, there's um, bishops and priests that are completely, if we really think about it, they're against their duty. I mean, they're completely educating people in the wrong way about corruption in the church. Like they're, they're causing corruption, you know what I mean? By teaching heresy. And there's these bishops that are doing this. And I mean, there have been cardinals and and other bishops that have stood up to them, but it hasn't been, you know, a rare appearance that we've seen a lot of this corruption going on in the Catholic church, unfortunately. Right. And you know, it's, I think a lot of people get frustrated, right? At their bishops or they get frustrated. Oh yeah. A lot, Francis so many people because, get frustrated because it just seems like right. Really so. saying nothing about the gospel, about the, the rights yeah. of the church, about Christ. They say a few mm-hmm. things here and there as part of their job, but like the main stuff it seems they care about is social justice stuff, immigration, um, charity work, whatever else. And, I mean, to be fair, I mean, those things are important, whatever else, I, climate change, whatever. But like, where is the primacy of the family? Where's the primacy of the church? Where's the primacy of, yep. you know, revitalizing the social order in Christ? And it, and it seems like, you know, Christ and Christianity, the, the church just seems to have less and less in the public sphere to do with that. Um, and allowing, you know, basically the whole conversation to be Democrat talking points in the U.S., and it's 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 just strange, right? Uh, Caitlin says, and bishops bowing down to the state, doing whatever the state says. So, I mean, I think we should get to this: the shutdowns and uh, a global warming! Exclamation point! Caitlin says, uh, "Yeah, I think you're you're dead right, Caitlin." Um, so, I mean, the number one obvious thing that uh, the bishops bowing down to the state was these shutdowns, these coronavirus shutdowns, and um, you know. Let, to give them the most pass you could, it is an you know unprecedented time, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they were very readily able to just say no masses over the entirety of the Easter season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I there's a, a fantastic piece, and uh, Caitlin, I'll probably send it to you as well to to put in the the, the Twitch chat. But um, written by um what was her last name? Emily. I forget her last name. She's a, a post-grad student at Stanford, but she wrote a piece in crisis magazine on the fact that basically in previous pandemics, bishops and priests have just raced to save souls, right? Because it's, it's a time when it's in a time of distress and people are thinking about death and they're fearful, they need God and they need the church. And I think Trump talked about that. He, he talked about Easter's going to be the time we're going to reopen the economy. We're going to have people in masses. We're going to have people in churches. And he didn't do it because his globalist doctors 
Fauci, Scarf Queen, um, you know, Burks, the rest. That's what that's what uh Limbaugh calls uh <laughs> he says Dr. Fauci and Scarf Queen. Scarf Queen. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, in essence, they you know, they were telling him, No, you have to keep it shut down, no, you have to keep it shut down. He wanted to open on Easter, right? Because he knew mm-hmm. that people need to be in church on Easter, man. The American people, and they're willing to take the risk. If and the church had said, right, if you're not able to come to mass because you're afraid of the coronavirus, we've dispensed you from having to come. But to have the church say you can't go to mass. Um, and okay, Caitlin says here there were dioceses that weren't having confessions even. That's Jeez. just insane, man. Think That's about how many insanity. people died over this time without the sacraments. You recognize the real Catholics from the lukewarm Catholics. You're lukewarm. Well, Jesus I mean, are any of us real out. at this point? <laughs> the fact that we just oh. allowed all of us, all of us just allowed the fact yeah, but that priests, we didn't have masses. They're, there are priests out there that like did, they're doing private yes. masses yes. and yes. stuff so and they're doing confessions. They're keeping reasonable guidelines. The priests that aren't doing this, I mean, let's just face it. Like they're weak. You know what I'm saying. Right. And they're, they're just, <clears throat> they're not taking initiative like they should. And <clears throat> excuse me. It's, it just really shows you can tell who is really dedicated to keeping the mass who's going to do whatever they can for their, <clears throat> their parishioners, you know? Right. And so we were able to, we were able really to tell that we have priests that are and bishops that are corrupt and ones that are, you know, real and real that teach the, you know, the doctrine of the church and the, the authenticity of it. And so with this COVID thing, we really got to see, I think the true colors of priests. Um, and I don't, once again, this isn't every priest, this isn't every Bishop, whatever, but it's just, it's just so overwhelming. The fact that so many, that the church just acceded to the demands of the state to basically cancel the Easter season. And in fact, um, you know, uh, people were researching, this is the first time the church has not celebrated Mm -hmm. Easter since Christ's resurrection. And, and, and that, think about, that is so, um, <laughs> that's so about, just disgraceful. And we've talked about that before. It's just disgraceful in every sense of the word. Think about the Spanish flu or whatever. Yeah. I mean, right? in, in times before the priests were, you know, black plague, whatever else, whatever it was, the church was ready and able because it's, it's a time when, when people are fearful and, and Vigano talks about this in his letter. And uh, it's in the Twitch chat, guys, uh, if you want to read the letter. Uh, Kate Rillin also dropped the Crisis Magazine article on the church's uh, reply. I'd love to get into that. Maybe we get into that in uh, the last part of the second segment. Um, but, you know, in previous pandemics, the church is ready and able to provide God for the people because people need God and they need Christ in times of crisis. Because as it says here, uh, as Vigano says here, you know, the deep state, these people are trying to manipulate and to control, want to use fear because fear will let people give up their freedoms. Fear will let people, you know, make people give up their rights, their responsibilities and hand it over to a force that's beyond them. Right. Um, Whereas they should just be trusting in God and trusting in divine providence and trusting in. Right. And so the church knows that and she's supposed to respond. But what did the church do and basically say, okay, deep state, you know, globalist control, go ahead, have it, have at it. Right. Um, 
So it makes you think like Vigano, right? I think it's evidence to support what Vigano said that these bishops in not responding with Christ and with the church and, and coming forth and saying, you need Christ, you need to receive him. And uh, especially in this time of fear and this time of pandemic, they basically said, listen to the state. The state's the one that matters. It almost, it almost to me seemed like everything was backwards. You know what I mean? If mm. in this time of pandemic, you would think that churches would be flocking to their parishioners to allow to let them have mass, to let them receive the sacraments, yep. to let them have confession. Instead, what happened was is that they all just it's like they chickened out. Like they just <laughs> went to the state. They just yeah. stayed with the state. They like they followed out. the the globalist mentality where, oh, we're just gonna be, we're gonna make sure everybody's safe and you know, you don't have let me, to come let me pull up the article. Want to. Oh, let me pull up the article. Oh man. It's the most disgraceful thing, in my opinion. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but Catholic Church should, we should have just been on it from the start and just. No, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, and then again, and then, you know, and then again, a priest, right? He has to obey the bishop. You know what I mean? He does. So he's this not, is something we really need to, not, like, you can't as a obeying, priest, you know, yeah. just say, I'm going to make disobedient. Own. Like, we have to be obedient to our bishops. This is the really difficult thing. Um, and we don't need so to. How do, you, how do you wage it? How do you wage? How do you, how do you just wage, you know, bringing mass back and bringing confessions to personal safety, right? That's what you, everybody you can't. says. It's, it's, yeah. it's um, people's spiritual. Um, yeah, Caitlin mm-hmm. says it's almost not harsh enough. Um, yeah. Here's, here's from the Crisis Magazine, uh, the article. It starts off by saying it was not the head of the Catholic Church who finally condemned the tyrannical decrees decrees of various state governors that churches are to be non-essential, while marijuana dispensaries, liquor stores, and abortuaries can remain open. It was President yep. Donald Trump. There you he go. He said that he is correcting this injustice and calling houses of worship essential. Essential. Um, yeah. In in earlier times, the church willingly submitting to state decrees in gross violation of its freedom to practice a faith would have been a scandal of epic proportions, right? Yep. Do you remember Thomas More, like what he died for? St. Thomas More. I don't know. I don't know much about St. Thomas More. He died for the rights of the, of, you know, he, he died for the right of the Pope, you know, above the, the church of England, right? Church of England. And he wouldn't swear the oath of supremacy because it was the rights of the church, right? And he, he got beheaded for it. Thomas Beckett, yeah. right? He died for, um, he was martyred because he stood up for the rights of the church to um, to have their own trials for their priests, right? The rights of the church is a very, very essential thing that saints throughout the history have died and defended because the right of the church to be able to have mass wherever and whenever she wants. And no yeah. state can can have a greater authority to tell the church, you know, when and where she could have masses. And and as this, this writer, uh, Emily Finley points out, um, it's a gross violation of the church's freedom to um, uh, to violate its freedom to practice the faith, right? And, and even in the Constitution, we have freedom of religion, that Congress shall make no law um, disrupting the freedom of religion. And in fact, you know, state governments have completely done that, and there was no public outcry. There were no bishops who were saying this is wrong. All the bishops were saying, almost unitedly, we have to allow this and allow it to continue. 
for, well, to me, it's for a shame. Months, I mean, for months. I mean, we're yeah. three months past where all this stuff started. It just seemed to me that there was a lot of submission to <clears throat> authority, um, you know, in government. And because everybody was freaked out that if we have these mass gatherings, that there's going to be more COVID cases. Um, but still, what really matters, right? What really matters? It's Jesus Christ, Eucharist, confession, sacraments. Those are the things that matter in life. What right. the heck are we doing? What, what are we doing? Yeah, um, I mean, basically what, what I mean? it's saying is like, what's more important? Your bodily health or your eternal salvation? There you go. Thank you very much. Case that's, in a nutshell. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And what do the bishops and the church basically say? Your bodily <laughs> health. I mean, that's in essence, you know, the, the really, the dark secret about all of this is like, what are we really saying? Philosophically, it doesn't even make sense. Like no. you're literally saying, you're literally saying, um, it's just like, it's, it's just submitting to something and without like looking at your roots, man, I'm telling you. Yep. She also says, dramatic is the difference. During times of plague and pestilence, priests, bishops, and even laymen offer themselves as martyrs to the cause of saving souls. She talks yeah. about the Black the Black Death, the Spanish flu of 1918. Um, and now we're, we're basically living in a, in a time where, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, here we go. Recent events have put this belief in sharp belief that the Holy Father has not protested the state forbidding public masses suggest general agreement between the church and the state that the health of the body and of the body politic comes before the health of the mystical ecclesial body of Christ and the sacramental life. I mean, basically saying your bodily health, you know, we, we got to protect people, whatever that comes before the mission of saving souls and ecclesial life. sacramental. Now, once again, I don't want to be completely, you know, uh, completely unsympathetic or like saying there's only one side to this yeah in a true. way in a way you can yeah. understand right okay yeah. it's an under, unprecedented situation but as you know as we were saying and as we've been talking about like this sets it, it violates it's a violation of the freedoms that we enshrine in the constitution and it's also a violation of the church's rights the right to public worship that um that the church always has and has had and even in a situation of unprecedented whatever, that doesn't give you a just like we don't we don't make the constitution and then put except when it's really bad or except when yeah. the times are really yeah, bad. Right? You like you don't take yeah. a marriage vow and then say like, well, except when I'm like really pissed <clears throat> off, right? <laughs> you, you have to <laughs> rights can't be arbitrarily taken away and they can't be just acceded, right? In times of fear, or times of persecution, even if it meant that uh, you know. Like, even if it meant that more people would end up in the hospital in a, in a more quick amount of time or that cases would go up, you can't just use that as a reason to take away rights. It shouldn't even have been a question. This is the reason, yes. like, where Vigano is talking about notions of deep state and whatever else, that uh, this fits so well with anybody who's looking to take away rights, right? The fact that this corona, that it was the fact that it was even on the table to shut down the U.S. economy shows that someone had thought about this beforehand. 
Mm. Because we had never had a situation where it was even fathomable that you could shut down the U.S. economy. Like if I had told, if we had started this podcast, you know, last October, we're talking about, okay, uh, Kellen, I've just received word in six months. Let's see, October, November, December, January, February. No, not even. In five and a half months from when we're talking, the entire U.S. economy will be shut down. School will be canceled. There'll be no UFC fights for a month until they come back. There will be there will be no sports. The entire world will be shut down. You would you think I was that, absolutely insane. If you told me Everyone that, everyone would think I would, I'd be absolutely insane. I would say you're you're smoking something. That's right. I'm smoking that Nate Diaz special. <laughs> I don't know. If, well, we're allowed. To, we can't do that in the studio at Franciscan, but we can. Uh, Dude, that place I'm not is promoting small. this in any way. We won't no, do this. No, no, no. We, we are not stoners, but um, <laughs> I would think that you were crazy. Exactly. Like there's, there's no way that there the would be no situation that you could imagine down. that. Right. There's and, no way that this can happen. If you told me, you know, if we technically think about it, the freedom of religion is taken away. If you told me that I would be saying, and that the church would willingly like, like support it. They'd be the ones yeah. who are like on the front end of, Hey, we should shut down everything. And let's, like some of the bishops were the first ones to do Corona. Like right when Franciscans shut down, bishops were like, okay, no masses. It's like, what? It doesn't make any sense to me. It, it only makes sense I, if you, so, you know, as, as this, this author, Emily is saying, um, okay. Personal health is a good thing, right? And we should, that's a good thing. We I mean, want you're sitting that. in a doctor's office right <laughs> but, now. So, I mean, I'm sitting in my I think your family logo. supports, I think your family supports, uh, obviously, uh, medical, you know, mm-hmm. endeavors, but well, they do, but they're also Catholic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like you, you got to so, understand where priorities are, right? I mean, yeah. What do the martyrs basically, what do the martyrs say to us? Right. The martyrs of old, right. They basically say, you know, my eternal salvation and my faith is more important to me than even my, my bodily life. Because at the last day, Christ will raise me up and I'll be with him forever. That's what the martyrs tell us. And we were willing to give up on mass, give up on the sacrifice of the mass, give up on the sacraments, give up on public worship, um, to cede to the state on an overblown disease. Well, the thing, the only reason that I can, or the thing that I can think of is that they're saying, oh, this is only going to last for a couple months. You can survive a couple months without the Eucharist. That's, you know? I mean, that's like, how rights, that's how rights get taken away. And, and Al, uh, Solzhenitsyn in his book, um, the Gulag Archipelago, which I highly recommend to you. It's, it's a fantastic, uh, work every, uh, all 2000 viewers in chat as well. I recommend it to you. Um, it's the he outlines basically how the Soviets gained ascendancy in Russia, and the way that they did it was small. He said they did small incremental steps, and they convinced people that it would never happen to them. Right? There's kind of two mm-hmm. parts of it. You do it in increments, and then you convince people that it's a problem for other people, but not for them. Right? So if you can isolate people from community, and you can isolate them from others then they're more easily able to cede over their rights and their liberties than they would if you were you know, in constant contact with people and you were talking about, yeah, this is crazy. I can't believe the state's doing it. Well, if it's like, well, it didn't happen to my family. And so you know, I don't have to worry about it. 
And then you do it by increments. You do it small steps, right? So then you say, well, you can't go out of your home. Well, now you have to wear a mask. Now you, now you have to do this. Now you can't go to mask. Now you can't do this. Now you whatever. You do it in small increments over time. And then you also tell them like, oh, well, this is only temporary, right? Seating mm-hmm. over your rights will only happen for a little bit of time. And then we'll hand them back to you, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's that kind of idea of one thing is going to lead to the other, you know, and that's kind of what happened, I think, was is that people got so freaked out that they it's like in them freaking out, they like jeopardize their rights. feels like, you know what I mean? Like they gave away their. Just their sense of firmness to the church, you know what I mean? Like they like they didn't especially like with the influence of, of bishops and priests saying, Oh, we can't have mass like that can damage like a person's um, idea of, of what we really stand for. I mean, but people don't really get that. Like what we're talking about right now, people don't really understand that because they think that, Oh, it's okay. If we give up for a little bit for the sake of personal safety, when really, like you said, we look at the saints and they said, personal safety, are you kidding me? What's more important? Your salvation. Like, that's what really matters. Right. Freedom of religion, ring a bell. And so. <laughs> I, I mean, have you ever heard of it before? You know, like you freedom heard of worship? Of, you ever heard of freedom of religion? You know, that, that part in the Constitution where it builds off our foundation of our country. Come on. Yeah. One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Right. So, yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take a very short break. Right when we get back, um, let's talk about how Trump was trying to push for this and then his role and how he responded to it. We could lead off with that. Um, more on Vigano's article. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys in just a minute. We're going to take a short break.
All right, we're back, guys. We are back. Holy smokes. I mean, we were just at the break. We were just saying, like, it's so refreshing to see a leader in the church who's standing up, who's saying stuff, man, who's actually, like, not just talking about immigration. He's not just talking about climate change, but, like, Veganos talking about the real stuff. He's talking about biblical stuff. He's talking about Christ. He's talking about the church. He's talking about standing up for the family. He's talking about like stuff you expect to hear. Stuff you expect to hear from devout Catholics. Unfortunately, we don't hear that much anymore. Like hard why, to find. Why is that? Why do we not hear that as much? It's because people can, even the most qualified people like bishops. Well, you know what I mean? Like cardinals and bishops. Yep. They're sometimes they're people. They can be corrupted. Hmm. And it's it's hard to imagine that because you think of all that they go through. But it people can be influenced in ways that are not good. And yes. so that's that corruption that we're talking about is that we've seen over the years a lot of Catholic leaders just conforming to heresy, to ways that they should know, they should know better to educate the public about what's going on and they educate the wrong thing. They yeah. They have, they have bodily health, right? <laughs> Listen to the bodily. state, do, do your social distancing. You know what I mean? So I went to, I got to go to mass yesterday, praise God. And it was, uh, it was awesome. I was so glad to go to mass and, um, and I, our priests at our parish are phenomenal and they've, they've obeyed the Bishop, but I was sitting in mass and there was only a hundred people there. We had to be at a social distance we had to hey, wear masks the entire time, and we had masks. Everyone had masks in the in the parish, and um, when we went up for communion, we had to kneel, receive on the hand, have our mask, and then pull it down. And then, and I don't. I had a mix. I had mixed feelings. I was very grateful to be at mass, but um, I was just like I was in tears because I was the readings. You know what the reading was from? It was uh, it was it was the Elijah and the prophets of Baal. <laughs> you remember in the one with the wood wood burning, right? So the prophets come up to to uh, Elijah and basically said, you know, we have 450 priests. You're just one guy. You know, you worship the God of Israel or something. We worship Baal. He's the real God. He gives us what we want, right? And he's like, okay, I challenge you. If uh, we're going to set this thing on, you know, this wood here, and if you can send down fire from heaven, then you're the, you know, the Baal's true God. But if I can do it, then... Uh, then God, you know, the, the Lord God is the true God and they do their thing, obviously. And the prophets of Baal are sitting there and they're like praying and nothing's happening. And, and then, you know, uh, <laughs> freaking, uh, Elijah starts mocking them and he's like, Hey, maybe your God's <laughs> asleep. Maybe he's like, hey, you know, maybe, he's uh, what's going on here? I thought you, you're talking some good trash here now. Uh, now he's not doing anything. Yeah. He's like, you know, what's going on? You know, maybe, maybe he's asleep. You try a little bit like louder start screaming <laughs> and, stuff. and they start cutting themselves <laughs> and all this stuff to try and get it. And nothing happens. And then Elijah comes up and with one simple prayer, uh, fire comes out of heaven, destroys, takes the whole offering and then, you know, kills the, the prophets along with the fire. <laughs> and, uh, it's just like, like, where's that type of faith, man? Like, Dude, I wish, look, I wish, like we still do, but I wish we had a lot more of it in society. And I think that it has, it comes down to American culture, this culture that has been corrupted in, you know, from things like technological advancements and globalism. And how did, the, okay, this is a question though. How did the church get to that point, man? 
Well, the church. Like I understand society's going like this because like, people because people are corrupt. That's why. That's the answer to it. I agree with you. There are that. corrupt bishops. There are corrupt archbishops. There are corrupt cardinals. What about the whole Amazon synod? We, we talked talk- about that for oh, ten man. hours. And that any old corruption. school Kellen and Alex show people in chat, <laughs> let us know if you remember those. Any podcasts. old school? If you guys old about a year guys. ago. By the way, you, we are watching Twitch chat. If you guys got some uh, some stuff to say, put it there. Anyways, yeah. If, we talked synod, you, man. If you tell me that the Amazon synod isn't corruption, then t- you tell me what is. Yeah, and we talked I mean, extensively. It's a disgrace. Oh, that. Caitlin says yes. So good. Yeah, old school, Caitlin. Yeah, yeah love it. Dude, we um, talked. We talked so much. We talked much probably on a good eight but, hours I mean, we, on the synod. Look, I mean, Vigano... And we we're, we've been reading from Vigano's letter. If you're just joining us, um, his letter to President Trump. But dude, Vigano has been in the heat of it, and he was the one who's exposed the deep church. You know, the Pope Francis, Cardinal McCarrick, who's now just Mister McCarrick, and he's living in Nebraska. He was a homosexual predator. Um, it's just it seems like, and and this this writer in Crisis Magazine, uh, Caitlin linked it earlier, um, basically says that you know. It, there's a there's a general agreement now between the church and the state, um, and she talks about this the the social gospel, Catholic social gospel, which she traces back to Jacques Maritain, Paul the and John the twenty third with Vatican II, of basically like let's let's see the state as an ally to what we're doing in the church, but you know we'll just take some spiritual stuff, but like everything else we'll just let the state handle. You know, and then when the state says something that, you know, is against the church or whatever, we'll just let the state do their thing. Make a, a general weak, agreement. Obedience. It's a weak, weak-minded transfer of power. Yes. I mean, think about it. I mean, it just blows my mind that if somebody came up to me and said, I think the Catholic Church is a disgrace. If somebody came up to me and said that, I would say to some extent, you're not wrong. And the reason I would say that is because we have, I mean, who would ever think in their right mind that we would have priests that would sexually abuse children and seminarians? How, I mean, can you just, just think about it for a second? How could you possibly even imagine that hmm. happening in, in the Catholic church? It's, it's une, not even imaginable. I tell that person, yeah, we have a lot of problems. We do. We have a lot of problems with the people governing our church. But like I said, we have to look at the positives of what the good, it's like the whole thing with the rioting and looting. There's people all around America that are saying we should abolish the police force. <laughs> you know, you Vigano, you think, Vigano okay, talks about the rioting, by the way, in his letter. And, and Did he, you get to that part of it? I don't think I got there yet, but. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was just, I was just thinking. There's so many, the majority of cops are good cops. People, mm-hmm. people don't get that through their head. They don't understand that. They think by seeing one bad thing, it makes the entire force, police force, just invalid. And so, and, and back that's, to that's, our, no, but that's, yeah. but that goes on with people thinking about the Catholic church. They think that they see one pre-sexually abusing children or seminarians and then they think the whole church is just a disgrace, which is not true because they they don't. Church is the one true saving faith, right? And so it's important. People don't get that. That's the problem. And I think that's what 
Archbishop Vigano is saying here is that people aren't, people just aren't educated. Yep. That's what it comes down to is that people just aren't educated. They don't understand because, because they hear one thing that links up with the corruption. They hear one thing and then they think that the rest of it is a disaster. And that is what happens when you live in a corrupt globalist society. The media, dude. We, we, the media, we just completely submit to it. Yep. And then we don't understand. And now, now everyone views priests as just, you know, pedophiles and everyone on social media is saying, uh, you know, all of them are just, you know, just evil and all this stuff. And, you know, so we're having uh, Father Nick Larkin on the podcast next week. We're really excited to Father have Father Nick um, Larkins. But while I was in, he was, my, uh, he was the associate pastor at our parish in, uh, in Colorado where we live there. We're back in San Diego now. But um, when the grand jury report from uh, Pittsburgh came out, um, he made a very excellent homily that um, basically how angry he is. <laughs> like, you know, these priests who have done this and everything else and, and what a, you know, now there's been so the public opinion on priests. And I think this is all part of what we're seeing with like deep state stuff that we're talking about. Like it's systematically going back to the title of this podcast, right? Ordo ob chaos. What you're trying to do is this, what, what the statement means is chaos out of chaos comes order. What you're trying to do is make people systematically distrustful of all things that uh, provide stability for the family and provide stability for a nation. So you bring this chaotic element. You have people distrustful of their religious leaders. That's a huge thing. I mean, priests and bishops, if they really take their role seriously, are immense, powerful sources of stability and of you know real change for holiness and for goodness and for families within a, a society. I mean, if you take your role as a bishop seriously, like the good that you could do is just immense. Speaking up for the rights of the church, speaking up for the faithful. Um, like, look at what Vigano's done. I mean, <laughs> the fact that he stood up to Francis, you know, and, and stood and said up that, to the that Pope. Stuff. Yep. And and rightfully so, rightfully so. We've done podcasts on it and is writing all this stuff, you know, in support of the family, in support of the nation. Like the work you can do as a bishop is so good. And um and what what did the media do with all of this, you know, the sex abuse stuff? I think in large part was to was to instill distrust and lo- loosen any type of credibility that religious leaders could have, and especially yeah. the Catholic Church, because no. the Catholic Church is actually organized, systematically organized. And like you said, it's it's only a very immensely small minority of priests who have sexually abused children or had sexual misconduct in this way, and the vast majority of them are very immensely um, you know, spiritually powerful and influential. And the media and the deep state are afraid of that because religion stands in their way. Yes, it does. It's, to- it's and not just perfect. religion. Yeah, the church, right? Because the church isn't just like you know your your Protestant church here, and then there's a different one down there, and there's a different one. The church is organized. It's centralized. It's Roman. It's right. It's real and powerful, and its priests and bishops command authority. And if you can get people to systematically distrust them, then you know, they'll be weak and they won't do anything. Well, the, to some extent, I think the reason why we see some corruption in the church is that the media has been six, has been successful in systematically 
uh, causing distrust in the Catholic Church, like with, uh, you know, priests and, and bishops that are sexually abusing, you know, like that has been, there's so many, there's so many weak-minded people, weak-willed people, you know, just in the world. And especially like, you know, some priests and bishops, there are so, they just, they lack the spiritual fortitude to combat this corruption in society. Like they just, they don't have it. They just, it blows my mind. I, I, I just can't, I can't even think of it. It blows my mind how a priest would go through that much learning, that many years of what well, they go through, 10 years of schooling. Mm. It's almost as much as my parents do. My parents do like 13 years. It just, I cannot even fathom that a priest would do that to somebody. It shows you how easily a human can be corrupted. It's, yep. it's a piece of cake. For a human to be, if a priest that goes through all that learning in seminary and everything that they do, if they can be corrupted like that, it's the most disgraceful thing ever. And think about this. Doctors have to take this oath called the Hippocratic Oath. Mm -hmm. And it says in the Hippocratic Oath, you will not kill. And obviously a doctor is not going to kill. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. But Abortion, when it comes to abortion, they just completely ignore the fact that it's killing. And yep. this is the problem is that people, like I'm telling you, the problem is that people are not educated. People mm. don't understand what it is the Catholic Church is trying to do, what its overall mission is to save souls. People don't get that. All they see is all these bad things going on, and they know they're influenced by the media. And because of that, it causes it it causes distrust and that in turn perpetrates the corruption. And so. Absolutely. Like, because if you, if you can't trust, you know, and then likewise, like you, you know, you're not supposed to trust your, your, uh, you know, your, your family ultimately is, is not, um, it's not something you should pursue, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a barrier to your, career and it's a barrier to your interest and it takes away from your freedoms and your liberties and um and yeah just, abortion it, it, contraception uh global control it, it it goes together you know i had a friend tell me the other day and she's actually not my friend anymore and that's probably the first time i've ever said something like that because that's really hard for me to unfriend somebody um but she said to me and this is where the concept of education comes in at its finest. Hmm. She said that Trump has killed more people than abortion. Okay. All right. So me texting that person, hearing that, I'm just thinking how stupid of a statement and what causes people to become this uneducated. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I feel like I don't understand anything anymore. I don't know. It's just it, me either, brother. Twitch chat, as you as you guys can can tell, we don't Twitch understand. Chat, am I going insane, guys? Am I please going let insane, us know. Twitch let chat? us know. Tell, let me know if I'm going. Let me know if I'm crazy. Am I crazy? Probably because I I, I don't get. <laughs> I don't I mean, I get. Too. I don't get how just stupid people are. I mean, they don't they don't understand. They're not educated. 
I think it's a loss that- of it's a loss of logic and it's a loss of reason. I think people reason has been replaced by emotion. And yes, it and has moral posturing and moral posturing. Like it's and, and I we've talked about this the other day. Like it's what you can do, let's say in the left does this far more often, although I'm sure you can find it on the right as well. But um it's basically, you know, it's called it's like moral narcissism, basically, where you can say, I'm doing this, I promote this out of compassion. You know, illegal immigration, the 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 protests yep. that are going on now, you extrapolate from it and you say all police need to be defunded and whatever. So let's just take it that kills, claim. All police it, need to be defunded, right? So that's the claim of these these BLM protesters or whatever else. Okay, well, there's no police force. Like what type of reason is there in that? Right? Oh, that's got there that's no how you're reason. Gonna, there's not. It's and then what you can do is say, well, I'm saying that out of compassion for those people who get unjustly treated. And like everyone is like, okay, if they're unjustly treated, they're unjustly treated. Defunding all the police departments, that's just, that's an insane statement. But what you can do is if someone challenges on that claim, you can do two things. You can either say, well, the first thing they'll do is say, well, you're not being compassionate and you're not actually on the right side. You're not actually standing with, with uh, African-Americans, right? You, you're actually just, you're not compassionate. You're evil, Right. And, and that's the first thing it's, it's, that's why it's a moral posturing because it's, it's not saying I, you know, I disagree with you for these reasons. It's saying you are evil and non-compassionate. You're a Nazi, you're a whatever, right? So it's not based on reason. It's based on, I am more compassionate. Therefore, my opinion is correct. And then let's say you're actually wrong. And the person realizes, oh, well, I'm actually wrong. Well, they can always just fall back on the fact like, well, I was just being compassionate. Right. And I think it's the same thing we're seeing with the shutdowns as well. It's like, okay, well, these shutdowns, as we've talked about before, were to slow down hospitalizations, but hospitalizations never truly spiked. And so, um, like, why are we having these hospitalizations in the first place? Or sorry, not these these shutdowns in the first place, if uh, it's not accomplishing anything. And, you know, these governors or whatever can say, well, we're, we're just trying to be compassionate or whatever. Um, and that's why we're doing while millions of Americans are losing their jobs, they're losing their livelihood. 20 million, you know, Americans are unemployed, the whole shebang over, you know, something that ends up being overblown. And it's like, well, we're being compassionate and whatever else. And this, and this is, let me tell you something. This is what liberals, this is their best chance at trying to get at Trump is saying, oh, the, you know, the economy is taking a dump because of Donald Trump. Okay. That rhymes. Okay. But dump that's, you Trump. get my point. Yeah. Right there. That's their best shot at saying, and it's not going to work either. So, I mean, but going back to just, have you ever heard of, it was in the video game. It was the call of duty. It was call of duty. I don't know which one it was. Black Ops? No, it wasn't. It was. Modern Warfare. New, I don't know. It was a really new one. I don't know. Hmm. But it had the very beginning scene was these bad guys. And they were on a planet and the good guys got shot down uh, and they were coming towards them and they were just approaching the injured, the wounded guys that were good. And the leader of the bad guys comes up to one of the good guys and says, care clouds judgment. That is why you cannot win. Think about that. Care, care clouds, clouds judgment. judgment. Think about it. It's true. Yeah. Think about the, com- look, you say you're being compassionate, but you think it's a really good moral judgment to say that we should ab- abolish the police force? <laughs> Do you want the military 
patrolling you, controlling you? I mean, do you want the military being the main position of power? How would you feel if you're walking out on the streets and you got saw guys, you know, in in, tanks. in Humvees with 50 cows on the roof, you know? So it's just easily silly, right? It's easily to say. It's, it's just it, the care, it clouds the judgment. And that's not, I mean, it's not like applicable to everything. Yeah. But. And if you have a whole, okay, let's go back to globalists. Let's go back to Vigno, what he's saying, like compassion. It's been, this is what they've, we've talked, people have talked about a lot, weaponizing compassion, right? And he points to, and if people are relying on emotion, like you're saying, and not relying on reason, and they're not relying on real judgments, then they're easily manipulable, right? Like when is somebody, when is somebody most able to be manipulated when they're really fearful, when they're really angry, when they're not thinking properly? Right. Like one of the tactics of like, let's say investigations or whatever else is to get people to be upset or to get people to have certain emotional reactions. So they're not thinking properly. Right. Because they're basing their reactions and their thoughts based on emotion. So if you can show, let's say, you know, if you can show over and over again, police brutality and isolated incidents and just scatter those all over social media, like it's, it's flooded right now with in social media with, um, you know, police, you know, doing. And, and a lot of the videos are actually pretty like, oh, these are actually pretty bad stuff that's going on. And I, I agree with it. But um, you're weaponizing the emotions. You're using the emotions as a way to control people. And um, uh, Vigano talks about like the deep states. Um, and he talks about the they're revealing their plans. They seem to be so certain of already having everything under control that they have laid aside that circumspection that until now had at least partially concealed their true intentions. So he's saying like the deep state, like now is the time when everything's coming out. And this is the reason why we're covering it in this way. We, we cover globalism back in the day, man. This is like, you know, Trump was talking about it at the UN and we were talking about how, you remember we talked extensively about how Google had, you know, started doing facial recognition software for China. They had a huge immigration thing to um, their offices moving to China. Um, Apple's been involved for forever with them. All the big social media giants acceding to the communist party. So like this stuff's been around. We've been talking about this for a while. People have been talking about this stuff for a while. The the transition from Obama, Obama to Trump. Um, but now this is what Vigano says. The investigations already underway will reveal the true responsibility of those who manage the COVID emergency not only in the area of healthcare, but also in politics, the economy, and the media. We probably will find that in this colossal operation of social engineering, there are people who have decided the fate of humanity, arrogating to themselves the right to act against the will of citizens and the representatives in the government of of nations. So colossal social engineering. And I, I think that you couldn't pin it with a better term, colossal social engineering. And in in the form of manufacturing fear through media coverage, the acceding of rights and liberties, and total economic devastation that was wrought out of it. True. I mean, that's that's literally, if you think about it, I mean, look, look what Vigano says here. He says, for this reason, I believe that that the attack to which you were subjected after your visit to the National Shrine of St. John Paul II, okay, this is important is part of the orchestrated media narrative, narrative, which Mm -hmm. seeks not to fight racism and bring social order, but to aggravate dispositions, not to bring justice, but to legitimize violence Mm -hmm. and crime, not to serve the truth. There's the bingo. Yep. 
but to favor one political faction. Okay. Bam. There it is for you. It's literally instigation. Like it's in, instigating one thing after another to legitimize. Okay. We're going to say through being compassionate, we're legitimizing the rioting and looting. We're legitimizing this violence. Mm-hmm. The media is going to legitimize this all because they want to get at this guy. And they don't want less racism. They don't want, yeah. you know, they're promoting racism. Success. They want the left it. Is they prom- want the racism because the left it fits is promoting their, yeah, it fits their control. Of so here's the problem, right? People like you and me, 20, 21, 22 year olds, they aren't saying this. You know what I'm saying? Like the, we have to, it just, we have to recognize. It's like, we, it's like, we don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. You know what I mean? Like we completely lost our sense of, of morality, like what is good and what is bad? What is morally good? What is morally bad? We should not support a media that supports legitimizing violence or crime. I mean, think about that for a second. In just basic terms, in basic morality, you should not support something that is going to legitimize the violence that is going on in this country and the rioting. First of all, people have said, okay, well, Jesus looted. He destroyed property, right? When he turned over all the tables at the temple, but he didn't steal anything. Okay, so he didn't walk out with the Samsung <laughs> there's your uh, there's your answer right there. Jesus didn't destroy anything. I mean, he didn't uh, steal anything. And so, what I'm saying is that we need uh, us Americans. We need to have better judgment. We need to work harder. All we need to, we need to work harder in this country to understand what really what judgment is like we can't just submit to this fake media that is saying oh you should be compassionate and therefore we're going to you know legitimize this we're going to make this so that it's you know a good thing rioting and looting that's not a good thing yeah peaceful protesting is fine but when you go in and there's these people that in the city they go in and they happily just go in there and they loot a Nike store or something. They're going in there, they're running in, they're taking out stuff. These are just thugs and guys that are just going in there have no respect for law and order. They have no respect for our country. They have no respect for morality, nothing like that. They just go in there and they loot everything. Mm-hmm. It shows you how easily corrupted people can become and how just enraged and hatred people are because of a lack of education. And so it just it's 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 further it's emotional manipulation. And it's, it's emotional <laughs> manipulation. It's like 1980 reason. it's like 1984 or whatever. Yeah, and then they convince you know, it's, people it's like that they're systematically opposed, right? And and I I've heard this from like uh so Rush Limbaugh had <laughs> the Breakfast Club which has um some prominent pretty young uh African American commentators and he was just interviewing them like, "Okay, well Trump has decreased um, black unemployment, uh, historically low levels. He's funding these black colleges. You had eight years of Obama, right? And this country wanted to prove like, hey, we're not a racist country. We elected Obama. Eight years of him, that twice elected. Nothing that changed for, for you know, like, what are you, you know, and obviously everyone's, con- we covered George Floyd. Everyone was, um, that was completely wrong. The fact that, you know, he, you know, went on his neck for, either was no, it was a murder. Right. Everyone agrees on that. And then you have this rioting, you have these looting like you had eight years of Obama. What What is like the systematic 
the ultimate goal is they've been convinced that there's this, the whole society of America is inherently founded on racist principles, is set up to completely dismantle any type of African-American success. And they, they basically want to dismantle the whole American system. And it's like, it's so absurd that, that people have been convinced of this type of complete radical ideology, but it's based not on reason. It's based on emotion. It's based on, it is. It's, you know, well, it's I've experienced on, this yeah. discrimination in some point in time in my life or, um, you know, and, and I understand perhaps, you know, let's grant perhaps, um, you know, African-Americans have a more difficult time with police in the United States and perhaps they do. And um, sometimes there are individuals who discriminate against them based on race. But they also commit like, a lot more crime. <laughs> I mean, there's like, that. I mean, true. there's that reality as true. well. Yeah, I mean, somebody asked so so on uh, a Reddit. Um, ask I'm not me justifying anything. anything no, but I know. I'm just saying but yeah. they commit a lot more crime. Mm-hmm. So on an Ask Me Anything on a Black Lives Matter, um, a uh, one of the chief leaders of it was asked a question. Okay, well, we understand you're trying to like defund police and whatever, but like. How do you account for the fact that African-Americans account for 13% of the population, but have 50% of the violent crime in the United States? How does that disparity, how do you solve that disparity? He got banned from the subreddit and uh, the question got deleted um, over time. But like, and it had like 3,000 upvotes. So a lot of people saw it. It just goes to show, man, like, um, you know, Trump's done all this great things for black unemployment, um, trying to make it, you know, as 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 you know, helpful to the African-American community as he possibly can. And certainly is not a racist individual, but you weaponize emotion and you, you weaponize the emotion to, you know, obviously there's injustices that happen all across the country every day. And um, obviously we, we condemn this part of it and we want there to be police reform, whatever else. But um these things get these civil disturbances are are being so you know exacerbated by a media that does nothing but cover it right and we talked about the fact that it moved from corona it moved immediately to george floyd and more like the the next thing we take away all your freedoms with corona and then all of a sudden the racism thing becomes like the national news again um and all of a sudden it's it's all exacerbated um i know i've talked a bunch but vigano talks about it as well um, he says, we will also discover that the riots in these days were provoked by those who, seeing that the virus is inevitably fading and that the social alarm of the pandemic is waning, necessarily have had to provoke civil disturbances because they would be followed by repression, which, although legitimate, could be condemned as an unjustified aggression against the population. So, oh, this is what he's saying. He's saying, after the corona fear was starting to wane and people were starting to go back to the economy, the next play was, um, you know, and I'm not saying that the George Floyd so was, was set up, and I don't think Vigano is saying that either, but it fell into their hands and um, they were able to create big civil disturbances because what they did is they said, well, obviously these protests would end up having to be, you know, there'd have to be law and order resume, especially when Minneapolis is being burning. But what they do is they exacerbate the situation by only showing the side of like police having to use, you know, forceful means to shut down protests and shut down looters and whatever else. And then that causes mass distrust in what? The police force, which is the ones who provide law and order um, in terms of your everyday law and order occurrences in your local area. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And and it's just so easy for 
it's just so easy for, I mean, when I was just watching the rioting and stuff and looting, I was just, I was just seeing the hatred in the eyes of people. And I could just see it so clearly in everything that they were doing, just hatred at its finest, hatred, the opposite of love. And you're right. It does. I mean, they're those cops doing that to George Floyd, that obviously that is going to create some mistrust in our police force. Okay. We're not, we're not arguing that we agree with that, but we have to know that it's not all evil. You know what I'm saying? Like we have to know the entire police force. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to, most police officers are good. And this is what the liberal media doesn't show you. They show online, you know, photos of like rioting and looting and they show, you know, stuff of just of cops just being abusive to black people. But what they don't show is that they don't show cops like hugging white or uh, uh, black people, you know, just like, and white people just in the protesting and, and like being together with them and and supporting them in, in peaceful protest against this, you know, police brutality. They don't show all that because they want to, you know, perpetrate, like he said, they want to legitimize crime and violence. They're not going to show peaceful cops, you know, with, yep. with our citizens. We got and a few so, comments. I just wanted to get to, uh, this is from Trent. Some, he says, I disagree that it was murder. Cops kneel on people's necks all the time. and They don't die. I doubt that cop was trying to kill George. I agree that these riots are on purpose. So our views on whether it was murder or not, um, you can go check out one of our earlier videos where we go through the entire video. Um, I don't know if you've seen the entire video of the cop kneeling on his neck, but um, it's definitely, and I would, I would put my weight behind it that it's, um, that was a murder. He intentionally caused him. I mean, there's no other way I can really see the video and you can get our opinions on that from our previous uh, podcast, but I totally believe it was a murder and it was intentional. You could tell that he was, he knew what he was doing and putting his, his, his knee on the neck. Now the riots are kind of a, it's almost like a separate issue in a way, (laughs) like you had the actual George Floyd thing. And in fact, they were indicted like three days after. It wasn't that much longer that they were indicted and sent. You know, there has to be due process. And I think, you know, if, if we allowed this riots just to, you know, try this person, all four cops would be hanging from the rafters somewhere. Um, but there has to be due order. And we've talked about the possibility of, you know, what would happen if these cops ended up being acquitted, which, you know, I, I think from the video... And I think it's pretty obvious that it was a murder. Um, and it was intentional. But um I mean I agree like, on the like basis, anything, yeah. you're gonna have to go through the evidence and there's gonna be a court case. And I, I think this is, you know, another one of those things that we're not just a mob, we're a country that relies on law and order, that even the most heinous crimes and criminals get a trial and have a defense attorney and get to do what they do. I think the video is pretty clear, but yeah, we're gonna have to, as the country does. We're going to have a trial and it may be wrong, like the OJ Simpson case or something. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no. And, and what Vigano is saying here um, that these, you know, uh, this vandalism and violence. Um, yeah, here we go. It will not be surprising if in a few months we learn once again that hidden behind these acts of vandalism and violence, there are those who hope to profit from the dissolution of the social order so as to build a world without freedom. Salve et coagula, as the Masonic adage teaches. And I actually want to look that up because I used another Masonic uh, phrase as our, our phrase for for this. Uh, thank you so much for the questions, uh, Trinsome. Um, 
We are taking chat, guys, so please let us know. Uh, separate and join together or dissolve and coagulate is uh, is the term that Vigano is using here. Um, so what what they're trying to do is if you create distrust among the American people for their police force, then... Ooh, thank you for the follow, by the way. Trent Sum. Welcome to the Hingus Kringus Club. <laughs> Kellen Alex shows 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific. More like, sorry, 6, more six like to 8. 6, six to, to 8. eight. <laughs> sorry, seven, 7 to 9 Pacific time. I, I'm thinking of Father Nick right now. S- 6 to 8 Pacific, Alex. But yeah, I mean, it's 6 to 8 Pacific. 6 to 8 Pacific. It's 7 to 9 somewhere. Right now, you know I mean? 7 to 9 Central. Uh, let's no, see. Mountain, Mountain, Mountain time. Yeah. Mountain time, yeah. Trent, there so, thanks go. so much for the, for the follow. Right. Really we don't know our time zones. Don't worry about it. But thank uh, you. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, after we have give away all your freedoms and the government realizes they can do that, now we have general distrust in the police. I mean, this I mean, is like yeah. following the playbook of social revolution. Well, yeah, and, and it obviously it makes sense, right? I mean, we're not denying the fact that this is going to create distrust in police. I mean, that makes complete sense. But like I said, not all police and most policemen are good policemen. And so... Um, it's important to remember that I can understand why people are mad and ticked off because that was one of the most disgraceful things I've ever seen. Probably the worst thing I've ever seen in police brutality. Um, but it shows you how, like we were talking about how people become so enraged with hate because of the corrupt media that we have because of just the American way, I guess, you know, just these days, it, it's just people automatically look towards the media. They look right towards the media. I mean, have you ever thought about just other countries, how they look, how they view America? I mean, they see all these superstars in Hollywood and they see, you know, the flashy lights and the car shows and, and the fashion shows and everything. I mean, they look at us a lot of times and think, oh man, we're, you know, high, the high life and stuff like that. But I mean, just look at, it's a, like, my point is, is that we have to look at what's really going on in society, what the real problem is, and who's really perpetrating the problem is the media, the liberal media, who wants this rioting and looting to continue happening. You can tell that, you know, Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, they, they want this to keep happening. Oh, absolutely. You know, to, they against want Trump fear. and everybody. The yep. They want the fear. They want to call and so Trump a racist. And you when know. you do that, you, you you use that fear to perpetrate into the American mind. And then all of a sudden people will start becoming corrupted. And it's just it. it the problem is that it makes sense. You know what I mean? Hmm. It makes sense why these things would happen because of the lack of education that I was like talking about. You know, and I think one of the signs of, let's say, the degradation of reason and of like actual policy and emotionalism is these summary, these these like summary words that end up getting using. Uh, getting getting up, uh, getting up, goodness, end up getting used. Like before, I mean, one of these words, and I've talked about this before, is terrorist. Terrorist is one of those words that's so amorphous that you have no idea what it actually means. It can mean all sorts of different things. Yeah, you um, talked about this. That's right. We've talked about this before, that it's one of those words that's just, if anyone's a terrorist, then they're necessarily evil and bad, right? And it's it's a word that we've used, you know, for, to describe our, 
Middle Eastern enemies in different ways. It's, oh, well, they're terrorists, or this is a terrorist group. And I'm not saying perhaps they are, right? But the, the term is so amorphous that it can be used and applied in so many different ways, and you just call these people terrorists, that people terrorists. I think now we're seeing the words racist and white supremacist are being so, they're, they're also very amorphous terms, right? Trump's a racist, right? What does that actually mean? Is he, you know, like, it means it's it means it's whatever people, you want it to mean. Well, it or means whatever they want it to be. Right? Yeah. It's like they, you know, uh, in what in what way? Your, you know, like he's yeah. Supports, in what way is he supports uh, are you America? Call, are you going to call me a racist by wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat? You see, ever exactly. see that Candace Owens show with Colby Covington? She no. said first question because Colby was wearing a hat, and Candace Owens goes in there and she says, "Why are you racist?" First question. He's wearing the Trump hat because automatically people think yep. there's stupid enough people out there to think that, oh, just because you're wearing a Trump hat, you must be racist. You're racist. It's one of those terms that's meant to carry a moral character with it without any substance, right? So like right. if if this person's classified as a terrorist, then they are automatically evil and it's and it's totally fine to, to kill them, right? Or this person's a Nazi or that person's a, a white supremacist or that person's a racist or whatever else. Like it's just a blanket term that's used to convey a particular emotion or whatever else. And like they want, so along with that, they want to associate, like if you can associate a police officer, just police, and then you just associate with them with racism and discrimination and whatever else, then you can build a general distrust over time, right? Like we were talking about this before with with priest, you just associate, well, they're a priest, they must be, you know, pedophile or whatever else, which is just so absurd, right? Um, so yeah, and I and I think we're we're seeing this come out again with with racism. Um, this is the the you know as it's always as it's been in America. Oh, you're a racist or you're whatever else. It's just one of those terms that now gets thrown around as another one of those moral supremacy terms. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's like I said, it's so easy because it's so easy to like you said to create distrust, and so all these terms and and meanings start you know getting flown around and people latch onto it and then they, you know, align themselves with it. And so that's, you know, like another big problem in our society is that people just don't have, they don't have accurate judgments. You know what I mean? They say things that are just preposterous. That doesn't make any sense. Who, I can't think of anybody that would say, I think we should abolish the police force. I mean, number one, you're jeopardizing your own safety. So basically saying, oh, if we should abolish the police force, well, you might have just increased your chances to get murdered. So good luck with that. <laughs> we got so a few I more mean, comments from, from Trent Sum. I just wanted to get to real quick. The deception on the left is easy to see through. It's the deceptions on the right that are quick uh, that are tricky to spot. I think that's fair <laughs> enough as well. Um, now, I'm sure there's deceptions on both sides, right? Um, yep. Just because we hate black criminality does not mean we should start loving authoritarian cops. Cops are and have been a-holes for many decades. Nobody feels peaceful when the cops pull up on you. I think, likewise, I, and I think we've talked about it before, Kellen. I, I'm not, that's, just because that's we're really saying this, like, like, cops are one of those, it's it's another one of those necessary evils, like, the fact that we have to have a police force or whatever else is because there's, you know, evil things that go on. And I've, I've never been somebody who's been out there just like raw, raw cops. And, um, I think you point to a good point, uh, Trent. That's a very good point. Very I good mean, point. look, and I, I think sometimes this gets missed as well when, 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 um, people are like saying, well, don't just defund the police. Like there's so many great people, whatever. There's an extent to that. Right. Like I, I think in the same way I have a, you know, a healthy, hopefully I have a healthy kind of reservation about just like a generic 
we support all troops and we generic, we support all police officers and whatever else. It's like our military does a lot of, you know, stupid stuff as well. Like go into other countries we shouldn't be in or, you know, cops pull over people they shouldn't. And like, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things. I don't think we should completely defund them. Um, and I'm sure there's bad apples within the cops as well. I mean, there's a lot of videos that are coming out about bad cops and whatever, but like that's to be taken into account within a general discussion. Right. And it's, and oftentimes it gets summarized by, oh, I just support the cops or which is, you know, like, what does that even mean? Or yeah. defund all cops. And and once again, I think this is, you know, and it, it's been happening for decades, the degradation of actual conversation um, and then the replacement of actual conversation and debate on political matters or on uh, policy, or whatever else, with moral posturing and compassion language and then um, identity politics and the whole the whole game. And, and look, you can say what you want about the right, but the left has been a lot more prominent in pushing this type of illogic, this type of uh, nonsensical uh, moral posturing. Yeah. And yeah. it's and, and you know, you know, people will fall into it on, on the right. And this plays into the hands of like we were going back to with Archbishop Vigano. Um, so, Trent, some I don't know if you were here on the, the earlier part of the podcast, but we were talking about Archbishop uh, Vigano's letter to Trump and. Um, he points out like this is playing into the hands of a general chaotic element within um, society that's playing into the hands of the deep state of which Trump and company are um, are, you know, seem to be going against this new world order and um, this this new way of, of global control. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just when, you know, when we start having these you know, agencies and, and news groups and people just writing about, because everybody's entitled to their own opinion, right? But that doesn't mean that you can just spread spread ideas that don't have any clear judgments behind them. You know what I mean? So it, it's easy for, it's easy for uh, people to become corrupted because they, they don't understand really what they're looking at. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't, understand both sides you know what i mean and they don't they just see one side is pushing this agenda like bishop vigano said legitimize violence legitimize why would you want to legitimize violence and crime like you're you're it's like you're giving it a violence and crime is not a good thing hmm. you can't you shouldn't legitimize that because it's not good why would you want to legitimize something evil that's how just dumb people are i mean especially the left media they're trying to legitimize something that is wrong like any the average american should understand that and just see that that's wrong yeah i don't get because people are so overcome with their emotions they're weak-minded they're weak-willed and so they don't understand they're, they're not firm you know what i mean they just fall fall to this uh just corruption of the left of the left media and it's it's so clear to see for people that are willing to educate themselves in it Trinsom had another comment that just last month the conservatives were complaining about cops breaking the constitution by locking us in our homes now because of some riots all of a sudden conservatives love the cops and i think it's also another fair assessment that we've we've been talking about um you know i went to a talk in pittsburgh um it was actually for the um 
Latin mass, uh, Latin mass. Let's see. I don't know. It's like an, it was like a Latin mass conference basically. And they had one speaker there who was basically saying the conservative party is, uh, is no solution for the church. And that as much as we support it, and I think Archbishop Vigano here in this letter, um, you know, sending it to President Trump and saying, you know, I, I encourage what you're doing against the deep state and against um, this globalist control. Um, once again, this is not the, we're not an, an ideal Catholic state by any stretch of the imagination. And I think there's a, there's a healthy balance between encouraging what's already there and then pushing for, you know, the higher ideas. Um, he, he basically, the speaker at this Latin mass event was arguing that, um, you know, the conservative party of today was what the liberal positions were like, even like 15 years ago. And it just gets, it keeps pushing left. Right. I mean, it was Obama when he was first running for president was not supportive of gay marriage, of legalizing gay marriage. Like that was, can you imagine, right? That's 2008. Can you imagine anyone today on the conservative side, not, uh, being against gay marriage or something like that, like you'd get ostracized, right? The, the, the spectrum keeps moving. And, and, um, now, I, I'm supportive of President Trump and what he's doing, and I think what Archbishop Vigano here is doing in supporting Trump and, you know, in, in a seemingly conservative way, I think it's a good thing. But also, it's tempered by the fact that this is not the ideal. This is, we're, we're striving for the ideal, but we shouldn't just be content with, oh, well, the conservatives won this election, therefore they're right. And as you can see with the, the um, yeah, the Catholic Identity Conference, Caitlin, um, yeah, it's the conservatives. There's there's like, you know, in the conservative media, you'll see it in Fox News a lot, right? <laughs> like they'll switch talking points just, you know, based on what the left's doing because the left controls the majority of the media. And it just becomes like they just change their views all the time and it doesn't matter because they're part of this mainstream nonsense that is American media. And so as much as you encourage in some ways, you like take your ground, you say, I support this and I reject that. It's, it's in no way ideal. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean- it, yeah, it's just, it's not ideal. It, it's not firm. You know what I mean? It's like exactly. constantly a, a fluid motion of just destruction of the human mind, the human, you know, of the, of the American mentality, like of just, of our, you know, of our corrupt, our, our just corrupt minds. I mean, look, we're human, right? We're not perfect, but there's levels to it. Like we should be able to, the average American should be able to make clear and good judgments in life. Hmm. And when they look at this, when you look at people that are trying to legitimize violence and crime and distort the truth, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how people can be supportive of something like that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Trump stands against all of that. He goes against all of that political BS. That's why I support him. Hmm. Very much because I believe that he is just, he, he, I love it. He exposes corruption. He just tells you as it is. He tells you as it is. Obama wouldn't do that. He was a chicken. He wouldn't do anything. (laughs) Trump did more stuff in his first six months of office than Obama did in eight years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like, it's just, he does such a good job at exposing the corruption of the left and how, how they're just, they, submit to globalism and, you know, and, and government, they just don't think for themselves. Like they're just, just corrupt, corrupt individuals that want to put out corrupt information. 
It's very, very clear to see. And the American people are seeing through it. That's why Trump's going to win again in 2020. You know, it was a surprise. You know, I remember when I I didn't really, you know, I was younger. I think I turned 18 the year of, yeah, I did uh, on 2016 on election year. And I wasn't super involved in politics. I didn't really care too much. But I remember at the time I was like, wow, this Trump guy is saying a bunch of crazy stuff and I don't know anything. And I had never heard a politician talk in any way similar to, to how Trump talked. Just with a, a candidness, a frankness, a... Um, Blunt. Yeah. And you could tell he wasn't controlled by other interests. He was controlled by Trump's interest, which oh, yeah. he, he was, was with like, true American motivation that he just wanted to make America great again. That was what he wanted. And I think the American people had been so fed the... That you know, you had Obama and you had Bush, and then before they had Clinton. I mean, you just had an era of political correctness and an era of just total nonsense and an era of everything is uh prepackaged, you know, political snobbery and lies, you know, and people have been fed up, right? You know, and whatever your opinions on the Iraq war, on invasion of Afghanistan, whatever your opinions are on you know, on whatever regarding it, like the whole conversation had been so the political conversation had been so devoid of just true American spirit. It was all, you could tell there were so many other vested interest in whatever a politician was saying. And where Trump was the comes patriotism. In, exactly. Where was the patriotism. nationalism? Where There's was not. it? The, Trump the came along was ruling 2.0. Yeah. And, and when, when Trump, Trump comes along. like burst on the scene and everyone's like, we've never heard somebody talk like this in generations, you know, with such candidness, such frankness. And we are doing America first. And it won him. The you want to hear Trump? You want to hear the, he said, you want to hear the truth? Well, here it is. I'm just going to give it to and, you. And he's, you like he's it or made not, his money. He doesn't have anything he wants to gain except for legitimately making America great. And and that yeah. that is just irreplaceable in terms irreplaceable. of fighting globalist agenda. Yeah. I mean, he's like the, the guy standing in the way. I mean, like a boss. I'm serious. Like he's just he he stands there and he just tells you the truth. Like, I'm going to say how it is. He even said in one I've watched many of his speeches and he said it's political BS. Yep. It's all political BS because it is, man. Americans, you know, it was all thing. It's all talk and no action. It's what it was. It was. Obama was all talk, no action. He didn't do anything mm-hmm. instead of quaking in his boots in the White House. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag, you know? Uh, couldn't. Absolute loser. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. I mean, people, people just got sick of that. They get, they got sick of that discourse in the United States. And, you know, the mainstream media, put up the big biggest hissy fit you'll ever see and in trying to just stop this overwhelming wave of you know non and, and who was he up against miss political correctness deep state herself you know serial killer hillary clinton and um shut her down and the american people are just like we're not taking four years more of deep state we couldn't nonsense. afford it we couldn't we, afford we, could, we couldn't we afford it dude afford america would have went to no garbage way. And the globalist elites were so furious about this that they've launched an unprecedented attack on Donald Trump in the form of the Russian collusion scandals, which now yeah. we're finding out that Obama, Biden, and the previous administration had their hands all within, that a lot all of it was completely it. Me- made up, that yeah. uh, General Flynn was completely um, 
Uh, he was completely set up. He, the, the evidence was fabricated. And even after all the investigation and everything, nothing came of it. And yep. it was completely done to besmirch Trump's administration and besmirch it. And it was completely fabricated. And in fact, which like, by now the way, never worked. Like, yeah, it never worked. <laughs> never and, worked. Um, you know, and it's, it, it's just and wild. It, and, you, and you can't look. <laughs> Trensom says just, freedom is the best way to fight globalism. You're dead right. There you go. Amen to that right there. And that's what Trump stands for is freedom. Mm-hmm. Think about what he's gone through. That. I mean, he's gone through the Russian scandal. He's gone through Hillary attacking him on so many things that were just BS. And then he goes through, you know, this whole COVID attack that they're attacking him for. It's just, it shows you that they're so desperate to get him out of office and it's not working. It's not working. It's nope. simply just not working. American and people so, aren't taking it, man. They're not taking I, it. People aren't taking Americans, nope. Americans saw through it in 2016 and they're going to see it through it again in 2020. I guarantee you. I mean, I was coming in, you know, as a, he was coming in as an underdog in 2016. Well, I'll tell you something right now. He's going to be a favorite in 2020 mm-hmm. because he's, he's going to tell, tell him like it is again. You, if you vote for Joe Biden, you're voting for the elimination of America, of American values. You're voting for the vice president of Obama. Like, the mean, most, one of the most state, corrupt, deep human, state, deep state. one of the most corrupt human beings this country's ever seen. And so, you know, if that's what you want, then that's what you want. But, you know, that, that's what I'm telling you about the education of Americans is that we need to do a better job. Brother, what an amazing podcast. we got about seven minutes left, but I know this has seemed like a Trump rally. Um, <laughs> but it like, has been. Look, look, okay. I mean, 2016, I wasn't very political. I wasn't, you know, into politics much and whatever else, but, and I, I think Archbishop Vigano gets it, which is basically there's, there's, there's two things here, right? So we're both Catholics. We're both <laughs> Americans. Um, we live in a, in a time that's not Catholic in a time that doesn't reach our, our ideals. And in some occasions you need to take a stance and say, I stand for this and I reject this. And other times you need to make the prudent choice and saying, I'm not going to, you know, put my full weight behind this or whatever else. But, um, <laughs> Kate Rowland says a Trump rally, lol. Uh, <laughs> hopefully those get back full swing. You know what I mean? That's the whole coronavirus shutdown. It was just to stop the Trump rallies because they were just the best, right? Yeah. Um, but but like sometimes it seems like, oh, well, a Catholic supporting Trump. Well, you know, he's done all this other stuff. And and look, I'm not denying, you know, like the guy's not a saint. Further, he's no Catholic, unfortunately. Um, and he's not out there like, you know, a complete you know, fighting for the rights of the church and whatever else, but like out of, he's not a perfect individual or perfect human being. And there's no perfect individual or human being except for Jesus Christ and Mary. And, but in this current time of America, there's no one in such a high position that's fighting for the rights of the church and fighting for freedom of religion and fighting for what true, um, true American ideals are and supporting what the church does and supporting religion and supporting whatever else, then Donald J. Trump, our president. And yes, I, I think, and I will take a stance and, and assert that and, and go wholeheartedly with that. And, um, and look, I understand it's not ideal and whatever else and whatever shortcomings he has, but this is, this is where we're at. And, and, you know, to the charge that, okay, Archbishop Vigano, you did too much by, by sending this very supportive letter to the president. I totally disagree with you. I think he did a very courageous and bold and very worthwhile thing to encourage people to support what Trump's is doing and to try and work to get him to do even more 
for the pro-life cause, for fighting globalism, for really promoting nationalism, for really promoting Catholic interest. And, um, you know, and ultimately we need to pray. We need to pray for our president and pray for our country. I mean, that's, that's what it really comes down to. I mean, pray for our president, pray for our country and pray that the general American is just able to make just basic good judgments. And so, I mean, we pray for that every day and we know that Jesus Christ is the true savior and um, he's going to come again. And we need to, you know, be every day prepared for his arrival. And, uh, and that's the biggest thing, but, you know, in the meantime, let's, try to, you know, build up our country in the best way that we can, build up ourselves, follow the children of light, you know, as the common folk and bring them up to build the city of God in our country. And that's what we're supposed to do, you know. That's what Trump said. In in America, we don't worship government, we worship God. And Trump is the starting, he's like, you know, that main leader in telling us that. He's telling us that. He's leading the children of light. And that's what we need. We need somebody like that. And thank God we have him in office right now. Yeah. God bless President Trump and God bless Archbishop Vigano as well for, for doing what they're doing and standing up and, and saying what's true. I mean, in times of distress like this, we need these leaders. Um, Americans want to hear truth. That's why. They want to hear the truth. And Trump is telling them the truth as plain as it gets. What more yeah. do you want? As plain as it gets. That's why I need to pray for him. Very important that we keep praying. But you know, always be firm in your judgments, you know, and, and strive to be the best moral human that you can be, you know? And so that's, that's what it comes down to. Yep. And we, we got to stand for truth. We got to stand for, you know, what we know and not be willing, not, not be willing to just cede this ground. And, um, it's so, you know, it's so inspiring to see what Trump is doing and and see what Vigano is doing. Cause it's just, we live in such times where there's so much there's so much uh, BS and there's so much, you know, control of people. And when you have people who stand up and fight against all this type of this globalist control and they fight against all this nonsense, like it's so encouraging. It makes people very encouraged, right? It brings people up. It allows them to see the light in society. It allows them, allows them to see the truth, the beauty and the goodness in society, you know? And, and so it's, it just propels people to be better. If they can hear the truth of what's going on, the real truth, what is truth? Truth is like, you know, the ultimate goodness. And so let's just strive for that, man. Let's strive to have people that will tell us that because that's what we need. We need somebody to tell us that. Yep. And so Trump's, that's what Trump's doing. And it's, it's, you know, I think, you know, and you look biblically, you know, God chooses to use the most unlikely sources, right? Um, he does. He I mean, does. You know, the, the playboy millionaire from New York City who reinvented the real estate in Manhattan is now become the leading leader for, um, <laughs> you know, the, the true family and American values. And and also, I think around the world, just standing up to this evil, glo- evil globalist control and standing up for freedom of religion and, and for the rights of the church. I mean, even even more than our pope, even more than our bishops. And it's a, you know, God chooses to use, can can choose to use very unlikely sources. And um, we see this throughout the Bible. You look at Judith and you look at, um, and you look at, you know, Mary and Joseph who are completely unlikely to, you look at Christ who comes from Nazareth, you know, and, and Nathaniel says in John two, 
you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth, right? There's comes from a know nothing town and, um, from God chooses to use, um, he chooses to use, as St. Paul says, he chooses to use weak vessels to show that it's him who's in control, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Trump for all of his faults and for all of, you know, his shortcomings, um, you can really tell that he, he's trying to do what's right and he's trying to do, you know, the best he can do for this country and for this nation and guiding it and leading it. He seems like a Constantine figure to me, you know, like Constantine made his success as a Roman emperor. And, and then later in his life, he sees the cross and, um, and he makes his empire Christian. He does the best he he can. I I think he only got baptized like towards the end of his life. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, he fought for the rights of the church and whatever else. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of time we live in where the biggest advocate for the church is someone who's outside of it. It's true. Yeah. It's you a weird time, man. Most, it's a weird time. And you know, most, I never thought I would say that four years ago when he first got elected. Yeah. Me neither. This is, been this such... is four years later and man, it, this is, there's, there's nothing I can really say more heartfelt than that. Like it's been such a transformation. It truly, it truly has. Um, it's, this is a, uh, it's a weird time we live in. Um, you know, God's going to see us through this, um, and everything we need to pray. We need to pray more, pray for our leaders, pray for our Pope, pray for our bishops, um, for our priest and for, for our leaders, for Trump and for the rest. Um, you know, God bless Trump and V, you know, for, for standing up for what's true. Uh, this has been, Kellen, this has been a phenomenal podcast. One of our best. Amazing brother. It's been an amazing podcast. Next week, guys, we will have Father Nick Larkin of the Diocese of Denver. We will be talking about uh, just talking about his uh, his life, his life as a priest, and especially his life as a priest in Denver uh, during all this madness. What he thinks about the church's response to this madness. Uh, Maybe we'll get into some Trump issues. Uh, So we're going to be having an awesome conversation with him. It's a fantastic priest, an awesome guy. And uh, he's my associate pastor in, in Colorado while I was there. And uh, now he's, he's pastor of his own parish, actually, in, uh, in North Denver. So just an awesome guy. We're really looking forward to that. Um, thank you, Trent Sum, for, for dropping the link. Uh, Caitlin says, great job, guys. Thanks so much for attending our Trump rally today. But yeah, next week, please tune in to the Kellen and Alex show. It will be Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time, that is 7 to 9 mountain time, that is 8 to 10 central time, and that is 9 to 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I don't want to know what it is, Greenwich Mean Time or European Time. I don't know where, you know, all 3,000 <laughs> of these listeners, Chinese Communist Time. I don't even know if they, they do time over there. It's just 1G, 2G, 3G. Uh, no, I'm just Oh, boy. Uh, but anyways, we're going to end it on that. We're going <laughs> to <laughs> uh, but anyways, guys, oh. it's been a it's thank been a you guys. Podcast. Thank you so much. You guys been are amazing. Awesome. Thanks for tuning into the Kellen and Alex show. And, we really appreciate uh, hope it. You have a great night. Thank you so much for watching, and good night. Peace out.